0: Amen. 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 Man, God's good, isn't he? Praise the Lord. It's good to see all of you smiling. Good to see our guest with us today. I hope you filled out an information card and put it in the basket when it came by. A lot of good things are going on, amen? Amen. Calling men to step up, calling worshipers to be wholehearted, Uh, calling this whole church to become... a people who are in love with God's Word. Yes. Amen. Yes. And uh, that's kind of been what I've been talking about the last few times and, and um, loving God's Word. Yes. And why it's so important. And so I'm just going to, I got a lot of ground to cover and not very much time to cover it. So I am going to go quick. So keep up. <laughs> All right. So, um, but, but in way of just kind of a quick review, especially if you're a guest here today, Of kind of what I've been talking about. Um, Remember, we started. I I started with the prophetic word that Dennis Kramer had shared with us about how we were going to be a church that is going to be uh, more theologically sound than we've ever been before. Remember, you guys remember that prophetic word, and and that in that prophetic word, it, it actually said that there's an opinion in the community about. New, that new covenant is, is not very theologically sound. But um, the Lord said in that prophetic word, He said, "But we are going to show them." Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. He says, "We're going to show them." We're, now now here's the thing. When, when God says something like, "We are going to show Him, guess what? It means together we are going to change the opinion. Of those people. Amen. That means that there is a part that God will do to change our reputation. But there's a part you must do to help change our reputation. Amen. You know, I, I look forward to the day when, when uh, people in our city say, Wow, you know, those, those New Covenant people, they really know the Word of God. You know, they, I mean, look at how the Bible is loved by so many of them. You know, I can't wait till the day when I I even hear them say something like, you know, even their children and their tweens and their teens, you know, they can share the scriptures with power and authority. That's a reputation I want. I could see that happening. If we do our part. And so I started these messages on loving the word of God by first dealing with the negative words and labels that we've pronounced over ourselves. You know, or have been pronounced over us. You know, those labels like ADD and ADHD and dyslexia and hyperactivity or even those things that we've spoken with our own mouths, things like, I'm not a reader, or I hate reading, or I hated school. All those labels are curses that were never given to you by God. But they do become a part of our identity. And when they become a part of our identity, then we live and behave according to how we see ourselves. So we dealt with those labels. We even we prayed for Broca's area of the brain that has to do with language skills, you know, that little spot right there. We, we prayed for that. We prayed for healing and deliverance over that. We had some breakthrough and, and a few people. And, and then I talked about the next time, I talked about the four reasons why we don't read the Bible, and I talked about having a plan. Remember that? What constitutes having a real plan and what really isn't a plan? So if you weren't here for those messages, um, please go over to our uh, podcast at myncwc.com. And go to the media tab, you'll find those messages. They're titled, Loving the Word of God. Now, before I really launch into what I want to talk about today, let me say this. Even if we never received a prophetic word about having a working theology, we still need to talk about loving the word of God. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yep. Yep. All the prophetic word does is it like slams it right in the middle of your face. Because not only is new covenant in danger, But statistics are showing that American Christians are becoming increasingly biblically illiterate. More and more Christians have no real foundation in the Word of God. And therefore, uh, they are stuck as perpetual spiritual babies who are being tossed back and forth by whatever culture or life is throwing at them. So when we have no foundation in the Word of God, then what happens is we overemphasize other aspects of our life in God. In fact, our young preacher, Gage, if you remember at Christmas, shared, he he, he emphasized how important it was that we have both the Spirit and the Word. Or we get out of balance. So so when we say we hate reading and learning and studying, when that's the paradigm that we've accepted about ourselves, what happens in our spiritual life is is we take that pendulum and we swing it way over into the spirit side of life. And then what happens is we begin to overemphasize our experiences. And when that happens, our conversations begin to be filled with things like, I feel like, I sense, or I'm feeling. Now, listen, I'm not saying those things are bad, okay? We need to develop our ability to sense the Lord, feel His presence, and hear His voice in our hearts. Absolutely essential. But what is wrong is when those statements almost completely replace statements like I know or God says in the Bible or the truth is. You see, when, 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 when statements like I feel and I sense outpace, I know or the Bible says, then things can get pretty wacky. And I've heard some wacky stuff here at our church, all in the name of sensing and feeling. I mean, I've heard some wacky stuff that that if there was, uh, if 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 we had had more of a foundation, a solid foundation in the Word of God, we would have never said some of those things. You see, when feeling and sensing are not married to knowing and quoting the Bible, we become what the Bible says are a people who are full of zeal but are lacking in knowledge. Church, listen. Your emotions are not God. God is God. And before you ever had your first spiritual goosebump, <laughs> the Word of God existed, and it was making Abba known. Yeah. Yes. We need both the Spirit and the Word so we can become mature people in God. Deb had shared with me uh, a week or so ago, she said, She said, the word without the spirit is dead. And then she said, but the spirit without the word is dangerous. Do you want to give prophetic words that are powerful? Store the word of God up in your heart. Do you want to sing prophetic anointed songs? Fill your heart with the Bible. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Yeah. All right. So today, I want to talk about a very specific revelation of Jesus and how that revelation should impact and influence our identity and then our behavior. Because behavior always follows belief. What you believe about God, yourself, and others deeply influences your behavior concerning them. So today, I want to talk about the five-fold ministry of Jesus, and then I want to focus on just one of those five revelations. Now, as I said before without a solid foundation in the Word of God, what ends up happening is we get tossed back and forth by culture and what culture says is right and wrong. We get tossed back and forth by our situations and our circumstances. But I want you to know there's good news. There's a solution to all the tossing that's going on in your life. And it's in Ephesians chapter 4. So if you have your Bible... Don't be afraid to open it. For those of you who don't, we will do it for you. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 4, we're going to read. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says when he ascended on high he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. Now what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who had descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he Back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part. Does its work. Now, we're going to look at this verse again. In verse 8, it says this. Verse 8, it said, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and he gave gifts to men. Now, verse 11 tells us what those gifts are. It says that it was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Then in verse 12 and in verse 13, it tells us why Jesus gave us these gifts. It says to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's the why. Then verses 14 through 16 is Paul telling us what the outcome should be what the fruit of that activity should be, what the end result should look like so we can identify it and know what it looks like. He says, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of men. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is Christ. From him the whole body is joined and held together. Amen? Amen. So, these five gifts that Jesus gave us are five major aspects of the ministry of Jesus himself. That's what these are. They were his gifts, and he gave them to us. Now, just to build a foundation, so you believe me, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1 says this. It identifies Jesus as our apostle. It says, therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. So there's the apostle. Matthew 21, verse 11, speaks of Jesus as our prophet. It says, the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth. Galilee, which is a confirmation of a prophecy that's in Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 15 that predicts Jesus coming as our prophet. It says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a young a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. Amen? Amen. Then in Hebrews, we'll go back to Hebrews chapter 13, Starting in verse 20, it distinguishes Jesus as our great shepherd. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with every good, uh, everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Then in Isaiah chapter 61 and in verse 1, it gives us Jesus' evangelistic ministry description perfectly. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. And then if we read Luke 19, verse 10, it reemphasizes Jesus' mission as our perfect model of what an evangelist is all about. And Jesus says this. He said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And then our last one is a proof text, John chapter 3. Verses 1 and 2 reveals that Jesus was truly a teacher of teachers. It says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, which means teacher, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs that you were doing if God were not with him. Okay, so we got that established. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Jesus embodied it all perfectly. And even if you were to look at Jesus' ministry from a very big kind of overview perspective, we can see that even one of the major functions of his ministry was teaching, right? I mean, Jesus was teaching everyone, everywhere, all the time. I mean, he would teach and then he would do miracles or he would do miracles and then he would teach. I mean, he would even teach about his own teachings. You know, he'd take the disciples after they sat in the group teaching and they're like, duh, what's that mean? And he goes, are you so dull? Let me teach you what I just taught. Jesus was the full embodiment of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor and teacher. He perfectly demonstrated all five of those gifts. And when he ascended into heaven, he split those gifts up and he gave them to us, the church, through individuals that he's chosen to be that gift. Okay? Are you tracking? Amen. Keep the, just, yep, yeah, nod at me, you know, slap yourself. I know this is, I'm teaching you right now. Okay? So, for example, Dennis Kramer. We all know Dennis Kramer. He's a prophet. He was chosen by God to be the gift of a prophet. Yeah. Amen. Dennis didn't choose it. He didn't work for it. He didn't try to earn it. God made a sovereign choice for Dennis to be the gift of a prophet. Amen? Yeah. Eric, he is the gift of a shepherd. He didn't choose it. God just made him that way. All Eric could do is he could either agree with it or disagree with it. He could go along with it or he could reject it. That's it. He is the shepherd that God made him to be, whether you like it or not, which most of you do. So... The job of these individuals who are the fivefold gifts of Jesus is to equip us for work. Everybody say, work. 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 And the main way that's another, another four letter word, I know. And the main way that these fivefold people do the equipping of us for work is by revealing who Jesus is. Their job is to reveal Jesus as apostle, Jesus as prophet, as evangelist, as pastor, and as teacher. And when they reveal Jesus in a specific way, there are two benefits or blessings, however you want to look at it, that should touch our lives with each revelation. Now, the first blessing or benefit, that com- um, it comes to us in the form of what Jesus does to us. Everybody say, to me. The first blessing, the first benefit, is what Jesus does to us. The second is what he does through us. Say, through me. Through me. And both affect very important aspects of our identity. For example, when, G- uh, when Eric reveals Jesus as the great shepherd, it should affect my identity in two ways. Okay? First, my identity as a sheep begins to develop. Now, that's a metaphor we all know. I begin to see when when, when Eric reveals Jesus the shepherd, I begin to see Jesus as my shepherd. And I am his sheep. Jesus is now becoming my comfort. He's becoming my protector. He's becoming my caregiver. And I'm the recipient of those wonderful attributes of the good shepherd. Jesus leads me to green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. So my identity is first developed by what Jesus does To me. Are you with me? And we love that. We have no problem with being sheep in the loving hand of God. We love His care, we love His concern and His compassion. We love identifying as sheep. But then comes the second benefit that we don't always respond very well to. See, The second blessing that comes is by what Christ wants to do through you. When we have Jesus revealed as shepherd, not only do we receive the identity of being his sheep, but we must also develop our identity as becoming shepherd-like ourselves. Are you, are, you, are you keeping up? Yep. If Christ is being formed inside of you, then you will exhibit some of his shepherding skills. That's you growing up and being a big boy or a big girl. If Christ is being formed, this is what Jesus does through you. Living as a sheep is what Jesus does to you. Working like a shepherd is what he does through you. Two blessings, two benefits of receiving the revelation of Jesus as the great shepherd. Amen? So the same principle applies to all of the fivefold gifts. When the evangelist reveals Jesus, he reveals Jesus as Savior, Redeemer, Reconciler, Healer. And this is usually our first uh, revelation of Jesus when we get saved. It's the first thing we realize about God. He's a forgiver. That's how we get in the family. And it usually comes through the evangelist or those who are doing the work of an evangelist. So our identity begins to form as I'm a saved one. I'm a forgiven one. I'm a redeemed one. I was lost, but now I'm a found one. Right? We develop that identity. These are all revelations of our identity by what Jesus did to you. You didn't do anything to get it, be a saved one. He did all the hard work. You just said yes. I hope you said yes. But here's the thing. We have to continue to grow in our identity of what Jesus the evangelist wants to do through us. And this is where, um, this is, we're not only just saved ones. But now we develop an identity that we are those who lead others to saving knowledge of Jesus. I mean, we're to follow Second Timothy chapter, or, or chapter 4 verse 5. It says, but you keep your head in all situations... Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. So our identity is that we are the redeemed of the Lord. But we also have to grow up and become ministers of reconciliation. We have to get equipped to be workers who are helping lost people make peace with God by receiving Jesus as the atonement for their sins. That's what Jesus does through you. Two blessings, two benefits. I'm a saved one. That's what Jesus did to me. I'm also sharing the good news with others. That's what Jesus does through you. Amen. Yeah. Now, so my all this to say what I'm going to say about our identity as a reader, as a lover of God's Word. When Jesus comes to us through the revelation, that he is the teacher of teachers, we receive two blessings, two benefits concerning our identity. When the fivefold teacher reveals Jesus, the first benefit is we develop our identity as a learner of Christ. Everybody say that with me. Learner of Christ. That is what Jesus does to us. He teaches, we learn. He teaches, we learn. Every single person who claims to be a follower of Christ must develop the identity of a lifelong learner. Amen. To say, I hate reading, I hate learning, is going to bring you in direct conflict with the revelation. Of Jesus as teacher. And many, many Christians have prolonged their spiritual infancy. Because they haven't chosen to receive Jesus as teacher. And I want you to know. Sitting in your chair listening to me talk sitting on your couch watching Joyce Meyer or Joel Osteen, is not you being a learner. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Doesn't constitute it. It's the very first step, but it isn't the fulfillment. In fact, let's look at Second Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 15, Paul says this. I'm going to read this from the Amplified, because I love it. Study and be eager to do your utmost, to present yourself to God, approved, tested by trial. And there's that word again, a workman. Who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing, and accurately dividing, rightly handling, and skillfully teaching the word of truth. Now who's, who's Paul talking to? Is it just the super-Christians? Is it just Timothy? Hey, this is a secret between me and you, Tim. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> no, this is directed at everyone who claims to be a follower of Christ. Amen. And as a matter of fact, Paul hits on actually both aspects of your identity that comes from the revelation of Jesus as teacher. Right, so first Paul says what? He says, study. That's your identity as a lifelong learner he's talking about. He's saying, study. Be a learner of Christ. Then Paul goes on and he says, you're a workman who needs to rightly handle and skillfully teach the Word of God. Everybody say that. Skillfully teach. I'm a skillfully Teach the Word of God. How you doing? That's the second part of your identity. You see, again, the first part is you decide, I will be a learner for life. Skillfully teaching is the second part of your identity. You become a teacher of God's Word. Now listen, I'm not saying that you've got to be the kind of teacher who stands in front of a bunch of people, but you do need to be the kind of teacher who teaches your children the Word of God. You have to... Be enough of a teacher that you can explain the gospel to your friends and your co workers. You have to be enough of a teacher to be able to defend your faith and give a reason for why you believe what you believe. Two benefits, two blessings. They come from Jesus as teacher. The first is I'm a student. I'm a lifelong learner. That's what Jesus does to you. And then the second benefit is I become like Jesus. He becomes formed in me. And I become a teacher of God's ways. I become a teacher of God's word. That is what Jesus wants to do through you. And if we reject this call upon our lives, we will remain perpetual spiritual babies. Now I want to look at one last scripture before we close. I want to look at Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is a psalm of David. David. And it's David repenting and he's pouring out his heart concerning all of the sin that was related to him committing adultery with Bathsheba and then killing her husband. And so in Psalm 51, he's pouring out his heart all through the first part of it. And then we get down to to verse 10, which is the familiar passage we all know. Psalm 51, starting in verse 10. It says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Now, verse thirteen. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. How interesting. How interesting. Do you notice that David he made a promise to God. But what he promises to do isn't what I or probably you think it would be, right? I mean, I don't know. If it was me, I think most of us would probably promise that, you know, once we were restored, we would jump and dance and sing and laugh and praise the Lord. Because I'd be so happy. I don't feel bad anymore about my bad stuff. Promise God, fix me and I'll be happy. I'll sing songs, I'll dance and jump. That's not what David promised. David just poured his heart. He just poured his heart out in repentance, and then he says to God, in essence, he says, he says "When I experience your resurrection power again, I promise to teach." Yep. Yep. Right David's first response to being restored was teaching. David promises God, if you will fix the mess that I've got myself into, I will teach transgressors and sinners about your goodness. I promise I will teach them about how good you are. Church, we've got to get this. This, the... The fivefold revelation of Jesus as teacher, it has to touch our lives in a deeper way than it ever has. Amen. We have to embrace both of the blessings of our identity. First, as a student and a lifelong learner... And second, to become like Jesus and to be able to teach others about the goodness of God. To become defenders of the faith. No longer to be like children who are tossed back and forth by culture. Or your life situation and circumstances. I'm pleading with this church. Let go of the lies and the labels that bind you into, I hate reading, I hate learning, I hate studying. Let go of that stuff. Renounce it. You're rejecting Jesus, the teacher, with those curses. Embrace the revelation that comes through Jesus as a teacher who makes you a lifelong learner and a lifelong teacher of the truth of God. Amen? Amen? Well, if you say yes to this identity, then I want you to just stand up with me as I close this in prayer. I realize this wasn't a how-to, go practical this, practical that. I've got to convince you yes. of who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. I'm a lover of God's word. It's who you are. I'm a reader. I gaze. I meditate on the word of God. So let's just pray. Father, I just, in the name of Jesus, our apostle, our prophet, our evangelist, our pastor and teacher, the name above all names, Jesus, come. And wreck our hearts, God, for being lazy learners. For accepting the lies and the labels that have woven themselves into our identity. God, we pray today that you would forgive us for not keeping the word of God ever before us. We repent, God, for not being learners, studiers of your word, God. We repent for not loving the word of God enough. Today, I pray, Lord, that as you restore us, that as you heal us, that as you, God, let resurrection power touch our lives yet again, we promise to teach transgressors your ways. Promise to teach about your goodness. We promise to teach, God, our families. Promise to be able to defend our faith. God, do what you do to us and then do what you do through us. By the power of your Holy Spirit, God, we can overcome the labels. That's what you came to do. You came to set us free from lies and curses. So we receive that today, Father. We will sit at your feet and we will learn of you. So that we can be salt and light in a world that has rejected truth. We will stand for truth, God. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. We'll have the altar team if you want prayer. If you would like to give an offering to my wife, today is her birthday. Give her lots of money.